Okay, welcome to episode 112 of Running Matters. My name's Matt North. I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Hadfield. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm well. Monday lunchtime, snuck out from work. Yep. Got another uh, patient by looks of things on the screen. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a, bit of a neck issue there, Wayne. <laughs> yes, mate. I, I don't know. It's, I've been working too hard and uh, it's it's travelled up to my neck, so I've got a few cramps, but I won't let that interfere with things. That's I good. should be all right. I'll That's soldier good. on. Good stuff. <laughs> So our special guest today is Wayne Larden. Thanks for giving up your time, Wayne. Um, before we get into it, I'd like to thank our partners, Renola, Goo Energy, Guy Me Allied Health, Basecamp Altitude, Fractel, Cronulla Beer Co, Raid Light, Coda Nutrition, and Running Matters Coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, Wayne, we don't typically start with a listener question, but uh, Lloydie's come in hot and uh, he wants to know, what was your actual? What was the actual distance of the Gold Coast Marathon the, the year you ran a PB? <laughs> Trust Lordy. Um, well, actually, someone put the turnaround point about a hundred meters, hundred meters short on the southern end of the course. So I think it was forty two point one k apparently. But my my PB is still listed as two sixteen oh four. So I'm going to take that. <laughs> is that? Uh... <laughs> Is that quicker than Lloydie's PB? Nah, nah, he kills me. He kills me in every distance, so I'm never going to compete with him um, on on PBs. Yeah. I will compete with him in the pub and uh, in in wit, though. <laughs> Mate, they are they are bold words in the pub. I would have thought with Lloydie. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what is your running background anyway, Wayne? You, you, Two sixteen marathon. There must have been some some highlights in there. Um, I look, I ran, I ran from sort of a pretty young age. I played rugby league out in Mount Druitt where I grew up, um, and we we all um, did little athletics as part of our rugby league training. Um, there was a bit of a swap sort of thing happening between the athletics club and the rugby league club, which is pretty good marketing um, at, at that time. But um, so we all did little athletics in the off season. I wasn't particularly good, to be honest. Um, Went to, you know, when I got to high school, um, went to a school called Dunhevert High School out there in, in Mount Druitt and um, started to sort of go pretty well in the distance running, um, cross country especially. Um, really enjoyed uh, running cross country when I was a kid, um, you know, and, and middle distance on the track, 1500s, 3Ks and stuff like that. Um, I think I made my first state team, which was the CHS cross country in 1984 in Darwin. Um, finished third in that um, and then sort of went on from there, won a few national titles, schools and and open and, and open. Uh, my only open uh, national title was cross country in 1995, I think, or was it 94? One of those years down at um, Nowra. Um, but yeah, sort of just sort of ran a range of, of different distances. I love loved road running, loved cross country, didn't like track at all, um, just got bored. I think I'm, you know, attention span didn't sort of suit me well on the track. I ran okay. I think I got um, second in the 10K at Nationals one year. But, um, yeah, sort of ran a variety of distances. I loved it. I loved running. Still love running. Don't do it as much as I should or could. Um, but, yeah, no, it sort of took me took me around the world and opened my eyes to places that I never knew existed when I grew up in Mount Druitt and gave me inspiration to train hard and, you know, be someone, you know, better than who I was at the time, which was good. 
Um, and yeah, met a lot of you know really great people, um, you know, in New South Wales and around Australia and overseas. So uh, running running is sort of it, it changed my life um, early on, um, and it stuck with me. You know, I love athletics. I love running. Still love it. Um, still a passion of mine, regardless of not doing it very very often these days. But uh, it's, it's been a big part of my life. So you you're now the um, the CEO of Pont Three. Um, event management company but prior to that um you were the assistant event manager on the city to surf that would have been a, a great uh, apprenticeship so to speak yeah i got recruited straight out of university in canberra i went down to canberra and had a running scholarship and studied sports science at canberra university um and got recruited straight out of university to fairfax as assistant race director and that was a a really great um platform um, to you know, study from um, you know such great events. Uh, back then, they only had the Sydney Morning Herald Half and the City to Surf. I think the year I started there, which was in '93, there were 43,000 runners. Um, by the time I left, it was up over 50,000, I think. Um, but yeah, great events. Um, learn a lot there. Um, you know, so it was sort of a a good um, foundation for for where I am now, for sure. In terms of a logistical experience, the uh, the city of surf's got to be up there as one of the toughest races in the world to get cracking, wouldn't it? But I think it's one of the toughest races in the world to run. That's for sure. Um, to organise, it's it's different. I mean, if you compare it to Sydney Marathon or Blackmore Sydney Running Festival and and what we do, I mean, you know, city to surf is huge. Um, I think they had sixty five thousand. Um, last weekend, straight out of COVID, which is fantastic and great to see so many runners getting out there. And I hope that translates for for the rest of us and we see participation growing again. But it's a different logistical operation to what we do. Um, each have their own challenges, of course. When you're closing main roads in in Australia's biggest city, it's you know it's always difficult. Um, you know when you when you're closing the Harbour Bridge for the Sydney Marathon and um, associated events and that has its challenges of course um, our footprints bigger by a fair margin than city to surf but they're, they're different you know they're, they're, they're different they're special in their own ways and they present their own challenges um, and and you know they're they're difficult challenges um, but you know there's good people working on city to surf um, for Ironman and, and we've got great people working with us so you know and that's why they're successful so can you, um, I'm fascinated by uh, the logistics of closing the Harbour Bridge. Um, can you tell us when you started running um, the Sydney Marathon and what was involved with closing the Harbour Bridge for the event? Um, well, I'll, I'll go back a little further to before when I was organising it, that back in 93, you might recall when Juan Antonio Samaranch announced that Sydney won the Olympic Games um, very soon after that, it was decided that there needed to be a test event um, and, uh, you know, um, some pre-Olympic Games um, running of the marathon course. Uh, very quickly, the Sydney Marathon was established. I was actually contracted to do the first logistics assessment of that course um, after the course was set, I think, by Dave Cundy and, and Paclo Hesse. I did the first sort of operational logistics assessment and and a report into New South Wales Athletics for what, what I thought was needed to deliver the event. Um, then applied for the role of race director of the Sydney Marathon, I think it was in 94. 
I got down to the final three, I believe, and didn't get the job. Uh, Frank Bates got the job. I was sort of glad because I was probably a bit young um, for that sort of role at that time. And, um, you know, that event sort of had a bit of a checkered history um, leading up to the Games. I think it went bankrupt twice, um, which was unfortunate. But I stayed involved um, in, in the Sydney Marathon as a commentator to the organisers at that time. Um, so I was always interested in the event, you know, always excited about the Olympics coming to Sydney. Um, you know, I was I was then on the Olympic job program, um, uh, you know, working for uh, Fairfax at the time uh, after after that, working for AMP on the Olympic job program. So was then, you know, um, managing a bunch of the sponsorship, you know, programs that AMP had for the Sydney Olympics. So had an association with the Sydney Marathon from 93. Um, after the Olympics, um, another company was organising it. It, of course, started in 2001. Um, I then um, was asked to consult to the then organisers in 2004 um, and, and ended up acquiring the rights to the event in 2005 um, to bring us to where sort of where the, the, the era um, in which we are now, which was the Pont 3 era. Um, Back then, there were 12,000 runners across three events. We added the family fun run in 2005, first thing we did. We changed the name um, from the Sydney Marathon Festival um, because it was a bit of a disconnect with the running community in Sydney who didn't feel they um, were marathon runners, so we felt there was, we were missing an opportunity to engage more runners. We changed it to the Sydney Running Festival, added the family fun run, and put all of the finishers to the Opera House, sort of the first couple of things we did. Um, now, to answer your question uh, in a very long-winded way, <laughs> how challenging is shutting the Harbour Bridge. I mean, the Harbour Bridge is part of a, a rolling um, series of road closures that have to occur um, before we get to a point in on race day, which what we call course lockdown. Um, and it's basically 50 kilometres of road closures, um, which includes the Harbour Bridge. Um, of course, the Harbour Bridge is a big and very high profile part of that. Um, and there's a hell of a lot of planning that goes into it. Um, and it starts sort of pretty well a few weeks after each year's event um, where we sort of get together with our main stakeholders, you know, um, traffic management centre, transport for New South Wales, police, AMBOs and all of the landowners and whatnot, um, you know, where we, we, we regroup, um, you know, uh, talk about what went well, what went wrong, and then we develop plans for the next year. What happens on race day to sort of cut a, a big, long, process um, very short is, you know, we'll have crews um, out on Sydney streets from, you know, 1.30 in the morning doing various things at various corners and locations around the city from laying out traffic control equipment to installing traffic control equipment from towing vehicles off the course. And we do a lot of that um, to make sure the course is vehicle free and safe. Um, to the bridge crews, um, from TMC and Transport for New South Wales, who who actually put the closures in place to they put all of the infrastructure in the right positions for for the runners and the flow that we want over the bridge. Um, you know, the closures go into place. There's a hostile vehicle mitigation sort of strategy overlay that comes in after that um, to protect the closure points and the runners uh, on the bridge and and elsewhere on the course. Um, it's it's highly complex. Um, with literally hundreds of, you know, traffic um, traffic professionals, traffic control professionals, risk people, police, 
um, you know, all sorts of, you know, people and 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 my team and and contractors um, who actually get the course to a point of lockdown where it's handed over to me at race start for you know the the events to to be given permission to to race. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know whether that answers your question, but it is a very complicated process um, with a lot of people involved. That's an extremely tiring procedure, mate, and it's um, <laughs> unbelievable. I, I, I want to just quickly take you back to that the phrase hostile vehicle. H has that, um, I guess, has that process changed for you over the last decade in, in terms of various acts around the globe? Has that become a, a higher priority for, for Pont3? I think not just for Pont3, I, I think for events everywhere around the world. It wasn't, you know, I, I think Boston highlighted the need for, you know, events, not just running events, but any events to um, make sure their patrons and, and participants are protected as best as can be. Um, so that certainly put um, more of a focus on running events um, just due to the nature of it being a marathon. I mean, the, 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 the other sort of uh, issues around you know, those vehicles in Nice running people down on, on boardwalks and things like that um, highlighted, you know, vehicle-borne um, threats um, and the need to mitigate those. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely increased. Um, it's definitely, you know, made our jobs a bit more challenging. Um, but, you know, for good reason. You, we've got to make sure our participants are safe. Um, we've got the best consultants. We've got the best risk people working with us. The New South Wales Police, um, Transport for New South Wales and TMC are amazing, um, and all of our crew too. So, you know, whilst it's complicated and a lot of thought and effort goes into it, um, you know, it, it does run smoothly um, and, and it's there for a purpose. So, you know, it's important. Sure. In, in terms of, I guess, the logistics with road closures, how much support do you get from, say, Sydney City Council or New South Wales Government? Is it a... It's a bit of a tenuous relationship there. Obviously, shutting things down is difficult, but there's a there's a cost-benefit ratio there. Um, no, uh, well, not tenuous, no. In fact, I'd, I'd say the relationships we have with state government, with the New South Wales government and, and all of the landowners are fantastic. Um, and, and they have been since year one. Um, you know, this event is a legacy event of the Olympics. It's something New South Wales government's proud of. Um, they support us extremely well. Um, you know, we have full cooperation of all of the agencies. Um, we work really closely with them throughout the year. Um, they've got amazing, you know, staff uh, who organise events, you know, every day of the year. Um, and we, we all work extremely well together. Um, you know, of course, there is, you know, uh, incredible positive benefits to the state, um, which, you know, are acknowledged, um, which we deliver every year really well. Um, that include economic impact, um, you know, incredible economic impact, um, destination promotion through our broadcast um, globally is fantastic for tourism, um, well beyond the year, you know, the events broadcast. So we have a really good relationship. Um, I, you know, I, I couldn't ask for more, to be honest. So speaking of um, tourism, you've, you're now a, a candidate. The big news is that you're a candidate race for the Abbott's World Marathon Majors. Um, talk us through that process. Yeah, it's been a long process. Um, I mean, it, it, it's a thought that we had uh, about five or six years ago and there wasn't a pathway um, then. Uh, it came out of a conversation that we had with Destination New South Wales and specifically Steve Cox, the CEO, 
um, where we were pitching for some additional funds to do certain things. And Steve said, look, actually, what I'd really like to see is Sydney Marathon as part of the World Marathon Majors. Um, and he, he tasked us with finding out whether there was a pathway um, for us to join the majors. And, and I actually didn't know if there was, having looked at it some time ago. So we, we went about, um, you know, contacting, you know, the connections we have um, in the majors and, and at World Athletics. Um, we had some meetings with the World Marathon majors. Um, and as it turned out, there was a pathway or is a pathway, um, which, as I said, we didn't know about. Um, it was a pathway that was created by them not long ago, um, and it was created because uh, they wanted to be more accessible um, globally and especially geographically. Um, you know, given there's three events on the on the North American continent, um, two in Europe, um, and you've got Tokyo as, as as south as they come. So there, they agreed as a group that they would be willing to add up to three additional marathons to the World Marathon Majors subject to them meeting a pretty rigorous criteria. So, um, you know, the the Cape Town Marathon was added last December. Um, of course, you've got to have a, a marathon in, in Africa, given the uh, the talent that lives in Africa in marathon running. Chengdu Marathon in China was, was the first added to the candidacy program, um, I think, uh, a year and a half or two years ago. Um, and we have taken the last spot um, just only a few weeks ago. So we've been negotiating this now for um, almost a year. What do you know? It, it is over a year. Um, so it's been, you know, a, like I said, a, a rigorous um, process of getting to this point. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of Destination New South Wales because it's a massive undertaking. Um, you know, they share our vision. Um, it's their vision. I mean, the fact that Steve Cox asked us to go and find out if we can be part of the majors means that we are very well aligned. Um, it's the ultimate, um, you know, the ultimate sort of level you can be at. Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't get any higher. It's like the Olympic final of, of road running, essentially. Um, so we are very well aligned. Um, they've given us fantastic funding to, to achieve the criteria um, and we're fully committed as are they to getting there and bringing the World Marathon Majors to to the Sydney Marathon. And and, and it's not, I, I say this to everyone I, I speak to now, it's, this is not Sydney's World Marathon Majors, it's Australia's World Marathon Majors. And, you know, if we do make it into the World Marathon Majors, and I intend to make sure we do, it's going to be beneficial to running right around the country, um, you know, in so many ways. So, you know, it's a big focus, obviously, um, almost our sole focus, um, but, but not entirely. Um, so, yeah, it's amazing, you know, amazing to make it to this point. But as I say to my staff and, and, and you know, anyone else who's willing to listen, we're at the start line now. Um, so we've, we've, we've entered the, the warm-up track. Um, now we've got to qualify. Mate, congratulations on getting Sydney Marathon to this point. That's fantastic achievement so far. What, what, what do you perceive as those material benefits of having a major marathon in Australia? I mean, there's some fairly obvious ones. Um, you know, economic impact is 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 a is a big one, um, and you know that economic impact. You know, whilst whilst there'll be a substantial amount of that focused on Sydney, you know, when you think about and and I know this based on on research from from previous events, 
international um, athletes or what we call recreational or marathon tourists, they don't come to, you know, a world marathon major event or an international marathon and stay for three days, especially when they travel all the way down to Australia. They'll stay for seven to ten days and they're not just going to stay in Sydney, right? They'll be touring around Australia. They'll be visiting, you know, Great Ocean Road. They'll go to Cairns. They'll go to the Great Barrier Reef. They'll go to the Blue Mountains, the Hunter Valley. Um, they'll spread their wealth right around the country. Um, that's one thing, right? So economic impact will be a big, uh, a big factor. Um, you know, when you think about the the profile of the World Marathon majors in their in their host cities and countries, um, how big they are, how how much attention is focused on those events within their communities, how many people who come out who stand along the sidelines uh, and cheer those, you know, the world's best runners, um, you know, people dressing up, um, people running for charities, um, doing amazing things um, or celebrating life milestones or or commemorating or, or memorialising, you know, loved ones or whatnot. There's so many great stories that go into the fabric of a, a world marathon major. You know, and you think about the inspiration that that can provide to young kids or, you know, club runners or, you know, or anyone, someone who hasn't even run before to, you know, not just um, go and start jogging, um, but go and start jogging and enter a fun room and go and start jogging and then maybe do a 10K or maybe move up to a half and eventually, hopefully, and this is what we want to see, more people running marathons around Australia. And I can tell you, if there's more people running marathons, in Sydney, there'll be more people running marathons in Melbourne, Gold Coast, and everywhere else. No question. Just to ask Kipchoge, the world will be a better place if more people ran marathons. Absolutely, absolutely. And wouldn't it be great to get him here? <laughs> well, that's the, that's the other thing, I guess. Like, do, do you perceive that you will be able to attract, you know, the, the world's best runners to Sydney? Absolutely. Um, and and part of part of, you know, part of the you know budget that we have is to do that very thing um you know we've got a crack field already this year we've i've recruited a platinum label field and i'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute i, I do want to i do want to go and sorry no i'll stop on that um i want to go back to something that i forgot to mention is around charities and fundraising uh, another really important aspect to all of the world marathon majors i mean we already raise a lot of money but when you start you know pushing the numbers of finishes in a marathon from sort of five to eight thousand up to fifteen and twenty thousand, then you can start to imagine that the volume of of charity and fundraising that we're going to see right going into the community. So the social value is really important. I think there's I think there's value in addition to the athletics clubs around Australia. I think there's a big opportunity for Athletics Australia itself, the state associations and the clubs to benefit, um, to you know hold hands with community um, and fun runners and help them on their journey to to the marathon. Um, so there's there's some of the there's some of the sort of more broader benefits you know of us hosting a world marathon majors in Australia. Um, on to platinum label and elite label runners. Yes, we will, and that's one of our key objectives. And, and it's our key objective, one of our key objectives for a number of reasons. One is we want the elites running fast times. So if you want elites running fast times, you've got to get the elite runners who are capable of running fast times. And the reason why that's important, of course, is, as you know, it doesn't matter what level of runner you are, you want to run as fast as you can, right? So if we've got a platinum label field racing Sydney Marathon and they're running 2.5, 
2.4, or whatever it is, then people will look at those winning times and go, okay, they're running fast in Sydney. Let's go to Sydney, right? It's just logic. Um, they'll look at a profile as well. But, you know, if, if the elites are running fast, then, then that's going to be positive for us and it's going to attract more people, hopefully. Um, it, you know, it, it should. Some of the runners that we've got contracted, signed contracts um, with this year, like we've got a 2-3 runner, We've got two. We've got four two o four runners, a two o five, two two o sixes, two two o sevens in the men's. We've got two two nineteens, one two twenty, one two twenty one, one two twenty two, two two twenty threes, and four two twenty fours in the women. We've got two top ten ranked marathon runners this year. Uh, one in the men, one in the women. We've got winners of. Paris Marathon, Vienna Marathon, Dubai Marathon, Cape Town Marathon, Rome, Daegu, 2018 Commonwealth Games. We've got top tens in a whole host of other big city marathons. So we're going to have a really big field um, of very fast runners. Uh, we're going to also, um, to assist in that strategy of getting fast times, we will tweak the course a little bit as, as much as we can. Of course, Sydney's a hilly city, um, so you can't, you know, get rid of the hills. Um, but there's a couple of couple of tweaks that we can make that I think will take a minute or so, maybe two minutes off the, the winning times. Um, so that's a bit of a focus for us. Uh, and again, it, you know, that's aimed around, you know, bringing the profile athletes here. Um, you know, that, that enhances the broadcast viewership overseas. Um, it helps with our distribution of the broadcast internationally, and it brings more people. That's fantastic. It is. Is, it. is the current... Uh fastest time 209 on, on your course yeah two, oh, god i should have written that down 209 48 i think god yeah so, so you think you think you'll see some you know 205 206 in sydney marathon well i, I look i'm hoping for a 26 um that's what i'm hoping for this year um we'll have we'll go even better next year because i've got a bit more budget next year um and i'm trying to i'm trying to recruit a couple of marquee names as well um, you know what I really want to do. Like, if I can get a marquee, a marquee name um, that will inspire the non-running community to come out onto the course, then that's going to just really enhance the whole experience. Because, you know, at the moment, um, you know, Sydney, the Sydney course goes through areas of Sydney where there's not many houses. Um, like, you've got the Centennial, you've got 8K in Centennial Park, you've got the Moore Park section. There's no houses there. There's there's sort of um, long sections through the CBD where not a lot of people live. Um, so, you know, we've got a job to do and we've found it difficult in the past to get the public out on the course. So, you know, we're doing a lot of things this year. Like we'll have 30 locations on the course where we're going to have entertainment. Um, we're going to have, um, you know, big live sites out on the course. Next year we'll have more live sites where we'll put on breakfast, free breakfast, coffee, entertainment, big screens, um, entertainers, uh, music, all this sort of stuff to get the public out onto the course. Um, but bringing a marquee athlete just makes that a whole lot, you know, easier. So it's sort of a, a staged, it's a staged process. It'd be fantastic to see a million Sydney siders out on the side of City Marathon, like near well, London, near New York. It, yeah, it, well, that's the example I was going to use. Imagine New York, you know, and that's part of the attraction and, and part of the, the pitch was, you know, for people who don't understand what's the World Marathon Majors, it's like, well, imagine New York City Marathon or London Marathon in Sydney. Um, and, you know, obviously that's a that's a, 
a big ask. And, and to get to that point, it's going to take us a lot longer than the candidacy period. Um, but that's our goal. Um, that's what we want. And, you know, uh, with the partnership with Destination New South Wales and New South Wales government and having the budget to do that, it certainly helps. Absolutely. Talking about that, I guess, economic boost to to this sort of Sydney area in Australia in, in larger sort of figures, have you been able to put an actual quantitative figure on that? It's a, it's a difficult one. <laughs> and there's a formula that, that was used internally that's sort of not really for public consumption just yet because it, it's a formula that's, you know, um, yeah, so th there is, It's it, we're talking eventually hundreds of millions, right? Um, our, our calculation of, our internal calculation of the economic impact of the Blackmore Sydney Running Festival in 2019 is pushing up to 20. Um, but, you know, as you start going, you know, building marathon numbers and as the proportion of marathon runners are international and interstate, um, then the economic impact figure starts to multiply rapidly. So you can imagine how that would grow quickly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what about, um, I guess, in terms of attracting lots of people to this, where, where do you stand on, I guess, a performance-based marathon versus a big focus on participation? Like, um, do, do you guys sort of actively push for your five-hour marathoner or are you, you know, more focused on the, the pointy end of the field there? I think you have to focus on all of them. I mean, not not only that. I mean, I I, I think there's a there's a key there's a couple of key areas of growth um, that I think are important for us. I think I think getting Australia um, engaged and 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 owning a, a, this as an Australian World Marathon Majors event is important. Um, I think it's important that you know we get the Victorians and the Queenslanders and the runners, you know, club level runners and, and the regular um, recreational marathon runners um, engaged in, in the World Marathon Majors in Sydney. I think that's a big uh, and important part of that. And, and they will range from the pointy end to the, the club sort of um, pointy to mid end and, and then some into just pure recreational. You'll have a lot of people, you can't just focus on them though. I mean, you've got to capture those people who just like running marathons and halves, who aren't uh, part of the club membership or, um, you know, the network. Um, so, you, you know, it, it's quite broad um, who we target. I mean, most club runners, um, most, you know, pointy end athletes will know when and where, you know, the Sydney Marathon is on. It's a matter of convincing them to come and do it. Um, and, and, and creating a, a, a you know a, a compelling reason to come and do it. Um, you know we will probably move our event um, next year the date forward a little bit to try and push it uh, a little further apart from Melbourne to give Victorian athletes who feel it's a little closer a better opportunity to come and run in Sydney. Um, I think that's important. Um, I, the one one thing um, having been around the world, you know and and observing marathons you know in, in different cities, one thing I think which is uniquely Australian, which I really want to overcome, and I think probably the other race directors who who I I consult with and talk to a lot, especially, um, you know, Cam at the Gold Coast and, and Marcus in Melbourne, you know, converting um, the half marathon runners up to the full marathon. And we have a really unique culture of half marathoners in Australia. Um, and 
you know, you, you look at the running events overseas and particularly in Asia and Japan especially, um, they only have marathons, right? They've got a few fun runs. Um, but, you know, you'll, you'll, go to, you'll go to Nagoya Marathon or Tokyo or, or any of the marathons over there and you'll see 70-plus-year-old 70, 70 people, you know, plodding along and doing a marathon. And in countries like that, um, the, the, the running bucket list is not a half marathon or, or, or city to surf, it's a marathon. Um, so there's a unique cultural distinction um, in the running community um, here compared to overseas, which is something we really want to, um, you know, overcome uh, and help help them on that journey, of course, um, but encourage them that, you know, if you can run a half with a little extra training, you can run a full and actually complete the real running bucket list, which is the marathon, not the half. Um, so that, you know, that will, that will bring a whole lot more people into the marathon numbers for all of us. If you look at Gold Coast, Melbourne and Sydney, our marathon numbers kill, kill. Sorry, our half marathon numbers kill our marathon numbers. If we could convert even a third of those, it would make a massive difference to a whole lot of things in the, in the overall running marathon running numbers in Australia. So that's a real challenge um, that we hope to overcome. And we're just thinking up ways of how we do that. And we've got some really good ideas, um, but we're, we're going to start on that journey this year, um, pushing into next year. So converting half, half marathon runners to full marathon runners is a big part of getting the numbers that we need. The other part too, I mean, there's a couple of other parts. Um, Asia is important to us and, and always has been. It's it, There's a lot of runners, marathon runners in Asia, um, you know, in China, in Japan, in Southeast Asia, literally hundreds of thousands of marathon runners, um, not too far away and on a very similar time zone. So, you know, we all target Asia, all of the three majors, all of us. Uh, and that's an important sort of market for us. Um, you know, the World Marathon Majors badge should help us um, with that. Um, you know, th then you then you look at the World Marathon Majors themselves. I mean, I think the smallest of the majors over subscriptions each year is about 250,000 people who don't get in through the ballot. So, you know, you've got what a million, 1.25 million people a year who don't get to run in the marathon they want to run in. Um, so how do we access those people? How do we bring them to Sydney? Um, how do we bring them on the journey in the next two years so we can qualify to be a major too? Um, you know, there's, there's, there are ways to do that and we'll be looking at that, absolutely, because that's a really important market and opportunity for us. So there's challenges, but there's also, we've got, we've got ideas and strategies. We, we know where the opportunities are. We've just got to realise them, um, and I think we can. That's an exciting opportunity. I'm, yes. I'm pumped. Yeah. No more half marathons for you, Wolf. No way. No more halves. No That's way. It. Just 10k. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> what about? Uh, I've got I've got an, an idea for you, Wayne. What about a 30k race as a stepping stone to the marathon? It's funny you say that. Actually, um, we've just signed a partnership with um, Rio de la Cruz, who's the biggest race organizer in Southeast Asia. Now. Rio owns events and he has annually 250,000 registrations in his events. And he has had a series running for about eight years called Trilogy. Now, the Trilogy series includes a 10K, a half, a 30K, and the finale is a marathon. Now, he's just partnered with us and launched Trilogy, which was formerly just in Philippines, Trilogy Asia. So we've got six countries now 
as a part of Trilogy Asia, and they'll take part in that journey um, across across a year and finish with the marathon. And if they finish Trilogy Asia, they get a spot into the Sydney Marathon. There you go. Oh, so like you're right on the money. You were right on the money, except someone did it six years ago. Yeah. Give me his name. <laughs> <laughs> Alternatively, Wolf could just harden up and stop doing half marathons. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Kids race. Hey, um, should we, we could talk about marathons uh, all day, but we should probably get across to the, the next major event that you've got coming up next year, which is the World Cross um, Country Championships in Bathurst in February. Um, you must be really proud of getting that event. Well, um, it, it's a team effort, I can assure you of that. So Pont3 are responsible for delivering um, operations, course and venue operations. Um, we are not organising the entire event as, a, as I said, as a massive team of people, really great operators. Um, there's an LOC in place with amazing, you know, talent on there, um, including some of Australia's best uh, former athletes and, and, and people from the business world. Uh, sport business um, and whatnot. So it's, it's a really great team. We are really proud to be involved in the World Cross Country Championships because, well, me personally, it's the only world championship I've ever competed in. Um, and so I'm really passionate about it. I think it'll be great um, for Australian distance running, for, for Athletics Australia. It'll be awesome. I think the cross country event itself is so popular I mean, everybody runs cross country from a school age even even when you're you, you know even when you might specialize as you're older on track or road you still run cross country um and i think it'll be an amazing championship we had a test event there um last week actually with athletics new south wales um, they did a short course championship there and the course is just fantastic proper cross country um you know how it should be tough uh you know in the country a bit of mud some hills it was really challenging. Um, so, you know, next February, put it in your diary. Uh, honestly, there'll be, you know, uh, there'll be a large range of public events um, for people to take part in the day before um, and the day after. There's even a golden ticket event for athletes who think, you know, they might have a chance. There's a golden ticket uh, where people can run in, the, in a race the day before. And if they're in the top six, that can be added to the World Cross Country Championships the next day. So pretty exciting stuff. Um, it's a pretty cool program. Uh, it'll be an awesome championship, but I can tell you now, if you, if you are planning on going up to, to Bathurst for the World Cross Country Champs, you better start booking accommodation now. I will. I'm on to it right, as we speak. Good um, uh, uh, do we know who's coming out for this? Like, uh, Are they getting a, a feel together now or is it a bit early days? I don't I don't have the list. Uh, I haven't, that hasn't been shared with me. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the... You know, the international federations will be working on that now. I don't know when. They won't know until their trials happen, um, of course. As you know, that those things sort of vary when they take place. And no, I, I don't know exactly who's coming. I think I think it, it would be fair to say that some of the top runners in the world will be here because the World Cross Country is such a prestigious title. Absolutely. And um, for those that haven't had the chance to look at the course, it's actually inside the Mount Panorama racetrack, isn't it? The, as we know, the the, the Bathurst yeah. 1000 track. So it's it's actually on that Correct. inside the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got the hill as, a, as the vista or the backdrop with the, the Mount Panorama sign. You, you'll see that in photos. But um, that's pretty iconic. And it's great that it's in regional New South Wales. It's it's going to bring a lot to that um, to that area in Bathurst and, and surrounds, um, you know, uh, Orange is nearby and, and plenty of other beautiful country towns. So 
uh, you know, hopefully people will come up, spend a couple of days at the World Championships and, and go and visit New South Wales countryside, visit some some of the wine wine regions and, and whatnot. But um, it'll be a great championship. And in terms of spectating the thing, it's it's a 2K loop, right? So you'll be able to see plenty of action, I assume. Yeah, that's right. Um, it is it is a 2K loop, and there'll be some great spots sort of on that course where you can sort of walk around the course and, and look at the various spots. Um, we're, we're planning on having a, a Bondi beach setting with a bar um, and, you know, club tents. Um, there's, you know, VIP areas and just, you know, you can just sort of – you're free to roam around the course. Um, so you'll see whatever you want to see, you know, if you want to walk. And it's not – it's actually – it's quite compact. So that 2K, you know, you don't have to walk 2K to see the other end. It's it's sort of a loop. Um, so it's quite easy to see a fair bit of the course. Fantastic. I can see your old man there, Hattie, in the, the VIP tent, <laughs> waving to us from behind the barricade. That's right. I look forward to waving to him from the plebs area. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, speaking of Bondi, you guys have had a little bit to do with the Bondi to Manly Ultra 2, is that correct? Um, we've just sort of started working on that. Um, it's uh, Yeah, it's, it looks like a great event. My team, are, to be honest, my team are, are doing most of the work on that, but um, it'll be an exciting new event, um, new edition. It's a great course. Um, it's 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 going really well. It's getting a lot of entries. Um, there's a lot of interest in it. It's an interesting it's an interesting idea that I think, you know, I think it's going to continue to grow. I mean, you've you got an ultra um, in Sydney itself um, taking in, you know, three or four of the most iconic or five, maybe more of the most iconic um, locations in Sydney. So, yeah, it's, it's a great idea and they're, they're wonderful people to work with. Um, so I'd, 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 if, you, if you're planning on running, I'd get your entry in quick because it will fill up. Yeah, and eighty k's through Sydney. It's sort of, you know, it's it's almost an achievable distance for some. They got a four by twenty k relay. I've heard. Yeah, a couple yeah. of their mates have taken the soft option and are doing the relay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a bit dis- I was a bit disappointed there wasn't an eighty by one k. I would have entered. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, there is there is a relay. Um, it it is uh, yeah yeah the the. Yeah, four by twenty. That's right. I, mean, I know a few people have entered that. Shawnee Crichton, a famous, uh, still current Australian steeplechase record holder, is racing the full eighty, I believe, yeah. um, and a number of other, you know, top top uh, ultra runners too. So, no, I'm actually looking forward to it. That's sort of new for us, and so it'll be fun. And just to clarify, there aren't any steeple obstacles along the way there for for Sean to tackle. And the step, well, there is the spit bridge, so it depends on what time he gets there, right? Um, <laughs> he might have a very big hurdle. Very well, hard. at least there'll be a water jump potentially too for him. <laughs> Look, we'll have to uh, we'll have to talk off air. But the Royal Double Ultra, it's the event on everyone's lips here in the Shire. Yeah, uh, we've had it once, but we plan to do it again. And a two day event, fifty k's each day. Uh, yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk. All right. I remember. Well, I remember one of my favourite races. I don't know whether it's still on, but it was a relay. It started at Bundina, and uh, it was a two-person relay many years ago. Do you do you remember that that event? Yeah, I can't. I can't think of the name of it. But you raced from Bundina. Was it back to Cronulla through the Shire? No, it was a loop. You sort of did about an. A, it was an eight or ten k loop, um, and it was it was a lot of fun. There was a, that. I mean, that one was was probably my favourite. Obviously, Southern to Surf. Um, which a lot of people have run, which I think I won maybe twice. Um, but the Bundina one, I really enjoyed. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, very good. 
I wanted to quickly touch previously on this, you know, the running stats and the numbers of runners and that sort of stuff. What, what have you seen over the years? Have you guys got some data on male-female participation or different ages of runners and how that's changed over time? Yeah, um, I don't have it in front of me, so I'll just use my um, my my very lagging memory. Um, so the, the, I guess the main shift has been probably in, in the percentage of women overall. Um, when I first started organising the running festival in 2005, it was probably 70% men overall. Um, and that sort of steadily grew, um, you know, over the years. Now, it, overall, um, I think we're at about 51.5% women uh, compared to men. Um, the, the one that's remained reasonably consistent is the percentage of um, male to female in the marathon, which I think is still around that sort of 65 70% men. Um, but overall, the number of women has increased um, over the years. And are we getting slower over the years? Now that's that's a that's a question I don't know the answer to. Um, winning times aren't average times. I'm not sure. Um, I can't tell you, but I'm going to look that up because yeah. that's a good question. Pretty sure they are. I mean, right. anecdotally, if you ask me, um, and, and you know, looking at sort of you know top hundred probably a faster. Maybe maybe they're a bit slower from from their back, but. I mean, I often, I'll often look down at top 20 at surf, for example, and compare, you know, obviously, oh, where would I have come this year? Like that, you know, that sort of thing, um, <laughs> as you do. Um, and, and it varies it varies year to year. I don't like, I'm not, not, not picking on surf or anything, but it's, it's an interesting question. I, I don't know the answer to it, but I, maybe, maybe, maybe they are a bit slower. I'm not sure. I feel like I'm getting slower, so. Yeah. I'm, def I'm definitely getting slower. Um, mainly because I'm a lot heavier. <laughs> <laughs> We're an aging population. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, no worries. Well, um, so Lloydie's pretty confident that you'll be sharing rooms with him up at Bathurst. Is that is that true? No, I actually got two Airbnbs um, in Bathurst, and Lloydie's in um, one, and I'm in the other one. <laughs> so I, I need, I've got a job to do, and I need to be able to do it. And if I'm rooming with Lloydie, I know I won't be able to. So... I, I won't be rooming with him. That's wise move. Wise, wise. <laughs> yes. And uh, and Sue Lloyd came in with a listener question too. She did, oh, she goodness. wants to know uh, how much money your daughter Ash made from the swear jar back in the day. Yeah, a lot. Not from me. <laughs> <laughs> from all my from all my mates from all my mates at, at Manly Wharf Hotel on a Sunday afternoon, quite a lot. <laughs> Oh, and, and, pro and, and probably most of all from Lordy himself. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was a very good godfather to her. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, um, before we finish up, we'll just quickly go to Sean at Ranala for a shoe review. G'day, Sean. How are you going? Great, mate. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Always a pleasure. We're uh, doing a shoe review on the Hocker Tecton X. We are. Yeah. Hocker's carbon plated trail but um firstly special mention to commonwealth games yeah how good was it on a high mm. eloise ollie hall two locals mm. unbelievable runs and uh yeah it sort of um gives you that buzz and when you're out motivation to get get out and um yeah they're cer certainly inspirational people but yeah it was fantastic 
And uh, I just want to say congratulations to both of them. Yeah. From uh, all the listeners, yeah. Absolutely. I would have hated to do that marathon course. It's, oh, that looked pretty tough. It looked tough. It was a, yeah, a lot, lot of hills, but she did well. Oh, yeah. 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 All the, all the girls ran well. It's, yeah. It was pretty impressive. It was great. Great yeah. to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Ollie's 1500 will speaks mm. for itself. Absolutely. Yeah. On... On sponsor and on yeah, which the brand we do have in yeah. in store. So look out, look out for big things to come. Yeah. Hopefully we can um, get him in. Yeah. Next time, working on it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, watch this space. Yeah. But yeah, the um, Hocker back to our shoe review. Yeah. Hocker Tecton X. So obviously Matthew Pello, oh, la- yeah. last year's winner. Yeah. Um, Last year's winner of UTA 100. Of the UTA 100. Yep. Everybody knew he had a pair of Nike carbon shoes on, did yep. a sub 10. Um, and then you sort of thought, wow, um, where's this? He's running in a road shoe. It's um, pretty spectacular. And where's this going to go? And the carbon technology came into running shoes then. And is it going to venture off into trail? And then Hocker, there were whispers. Yes, watch this space, and uh, Hocker have come up with the first, yeah, um, carbon trail shoe. Yeah, but the plate's a bit different from the typical road. It's not a full carbon plate. It's a dual parallel plate. So they're two thin strips um, of carbon that run down the length of the shoe. And feedback has been that I was always sceptical. I I must say when I was like, well, how's this? Because when you're running on... You're hitting a rock or you're running on rough over t- uneven terrain is the shoe is it going to crack is it going to but i think the idea of the two parallel strips um feedback has been doesn't get in the way and it still gives it that snappy responsive running experience yeah yeah how have you felt it yeah i look fantastic um but yeah, you need, you, like you said, you, you need that flexibility yes, in, in the sole a, when you're running over sh- when you're running over trails. Yeah. And um, yeah, it does have that because the other the, the other hockey shoes are really tight and firm. Yes. And uh, not suitable for trails at all. And this has got the give and the flexibility that you, yeah yeah you can run yeah. on trails and it's really quite comfortable. Yeah, feedback's been really good. It's that it's a it's a fast shoe. It's a speed shoe. Um, it gives it that nice snappy feel. Um, how have you found it on technical? Have you been running it on technical stuff? No, nah, so I've only run on a fire trail, so I yes. don't know about the, the technical stuff. I've yep. only had one run in them. Um, so, yeah, I don't know about the real technical stuff. Have yeah. you had some feedback on that? A few have said real technical stuff it, it can, it's it's not suited to, but I suppose everyone's different. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the more, obviously, Simone Hayes wore the shoe doing... Greater Western, yeah, um, over in the states. Yep. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I haven't ran into her since she's been back to just have a chat with her about the shoe. Um, but she, her first few runs or training runs in it, straight out of the box, she said, "I loved it." Yeah, yeah, I loved it. And feedback has been, it's more adaptable to a range of shoe uh, people. The the toe box is a little bit wider. Um, as opposed to other hocker models. So for people who love that or their toes splayed out, the upper is a little bit more giving and the toe box is a little bit wider. So it doesn't sort of hug mm. the, toe, the yeah. toe in. So as obviously that's great for long distance as, you toe, as your foot gets swirls and, and um, 
sort of expands, uh, it's not going to really, you know, and the upper is that nice, flexible, breathable material. Mm. Um, we've got a bit of a toe ridge cap there that protects the toes against rocks and sticks. And the outsole is Vibram, which is fantastic. It's it's a grippy, tacky um, outsole that is really hard wearing. Mm. I think Vibram's pretty much one of the, the top outsoles that a lot of brands use. Yeah. And uh, so you're going to, it's very durable. You're going to, the, the shoe is going to last. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's a good one, mate. Does it come in any colours besides bright orange? The new one out yeah. is a little bit darker green. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, the orange was something to talk about. Yeah. Get, yeah, get it out there. Easy to spot. Yeah. yeah. But the midsole obviously is your, your Profly, a light responsive foam base ultra soft underfoot so it's still giving you that comfort the stack height's about 20 36 26 yep. so you still got that five mil um heel drop it's sort of an in-betweener from your zanal and your speed gate in a way so you still it's still getting that cushion feel underfoot mm. and then the carbon plates giving you that snappy responsive um yeah so it's it's very cushiony. I like the most yeah. lockers are. Yes. And um and this this feels really cushiony. Well, this is really cushiony, but 240 grams. So it's still really really light. Yeah. Um, and that's what everybody sort of when you start adding things to, like the carbon plates. A few people thought, oh, it might be a little bit heavier, mm. but it's not. It's light, mm. and that's that's been a, a real winner. But um, obviously, when adding carbon to a shoe price goes up yeah uh, obviously it's an expensive material so yeah that's been a talking point $320 retail so it's, it's up there yeah it's up there um, and whether or not you know people it is an expensive shoe so whether or not that's in people's budget is probably going to be a talking point yeah, yeah. And, and I guess you know if people want to improve performance you pay a little bit more you pay a little bit more if they want to want to go that a little yeah a little bit faster yeah but uh, how did you feel? The other other feedback we've had is the tongue is very thin. Yeah. Very thin. Some people do like a bit of a thicker wraparound tongue where that's really, really thin. And the heel counter is pretty flexible compared to your speed goat or your challenger. Yeah. Um, there's not much there. So that toe and heel counter um, can get a little bit, yeah. Wary. Wary, yeah. yeah. Um, it's look. I guess comfort-wise, you know, around that area, it doesn't feel as as comfortable as say that. Is it the Supersonic, the Mac? Yes. Supersonic. That's, yep. That's the most comfortable you yeah. know, shoe that I can sort of come to mind. Yep. Because it does have a nice, comfy yeah uh, tongue and and heel support. Uh, so it's not as comfortable as that, but I guess you know you've got to lose the weight somewhere. You can't have all the cushioning exactly. and yeah. uh, expect expect a really light shoe. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it'll be interesting to see what's this space, whether carbon stays in in trail shoes and continues to grow, or whether it'll be something that has been tried and just a fad. Just a fad. Yeah. But very good shoe, very good feedback, and uh, yeah, yeah. If you, if you want to come in and try it. Yeah. Well, every um, everyone I've spoken to that's got the shoe loves it. Yeah. So it is. A, it's a really good shoe. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Thanks for your time, mate. No worries. See you around. Good to talk to you. And we're back. That was good. Thanks, Sean.
All right. So All right. we have to encourage everyone to jump on and enter the Sydney Marathon now, I guess. So uh, yeah, have we got some spots left? Well, we got spots. So, yeah, I mean, what I, I mean, my 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 call to action would be, you know, and and my my heartfelt call to the Australian running community is, you know, to to view this opportunity as Australian is an Australian opportunity. You know, the the, the benefits and 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 long term value to running uh, and running events right around the country are incredible. So, you know, don't see this as Sydney's World Marathon Majors. Um, yeah, it'll take place in Sydney, but this is for all of Australia, and we want all of Australia's, you know, distance runners to come to Sydney and take part and be a part of it. You know, it'll be amazing and incredible. It'll be a great experience, and it'll be good for running in Australia. So please do come and support us. Um, come and be a part of it. Uh, come and you know help us bring the World Marathon Majors to Australia. Nice so, one. Sounds simple. I'm going to uh, jump on where one of those bands are. Get my free breakfast on the sideline. Yeah. And watch Matt yeah. do the marathon. Yeah. I've entered the uh, I've entered the half this year, but I'll do the 30k next year and the full <laughs> marathon the year after. Yeah. You can fly. You can fly the Philippines and do the 30. Then you can come back next year and run the full. True. Nah. I'll get it. I'll get on board. I'm just. I'm just being. He's actually not allowed back in the Philippines. <laughs> one. One of many places they won't have me. <laughs> oh gee. All, All right. right. Well, well nice to meet you boys. It was great yeah. to be on the program. So yeah, thank you very much for having me. Nah, thanks. Thanks very much for the chat. Really appreciate it. Very exciting times. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll catch up soon. Yep, yeah, no worries. See you, mate. Bye. Bye.